God has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith that my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. Would you go to the Gospel of John and hang out there for a moment? And we're going to deal with a subject we started last week. And um, we started talking about the kingdom of God as it relates to fatherhood. That it's not that motherhood isn't important, but to understand that the core of the message of the gospel is embedded in fatherhood. And so last week in part one, we discussed this issue. Today, we're going to be dealing... Uh, uh, sound, could you bring me down a little bit? I'm getting a boom. Um, now, what we're going to deal with is part two. Last week, we talked about fatherhood, and, and this became a topic of my life for the last 54 years, looking at 55 years of walking with Jesus. And I was in Silmar, California, in 1969, in a Bible study that was open to the public, but it was nonetheless a Bible study. And the subject of the Bible study was fatherhood. And I thought, fatherhood? You know, I came to learn about Jesus, you know. But it was about fatherhood. And it was out of John, the Gospel of John. And um, I learned that Jesus taught about the Father and his relationship with the Father. And I found what I believe is the critical mass. You know that core element that sets the rest of it off and the powers released? I think I discovered something, at least at that point in my life, that I've begun to see is the critical mass of the message of the gospel and, in fact, the entire Bible. It's not the only thing, and it's not the only important thing, but that Jesus taught about knowing the Father as our heavenly Father. We all have earthly fathers, obviously. But I learned that there's an apparent need in the Scriptures for people to know who they are in the eyes of their heavenly Father, to understand the relationship that Jesus had with the Father. Because if all I ever studied was Jesus and what he did, I would never really begin to understand why he did and what he did and who he did it for. And I began to see that this is in the fatherhood. And every time I would open up my Bible and go to John chapter 17, fatherhood would explode. Because the whole chapter is about fatherhood and what it means to us. And so when Jesus was talking about fatherhood, he was talking not just about himself, but that he was the way to the Father. That accepting Jesus is more than a ticket to heaven. It's actually, tell him I said hi, um, it's actually the door to which we understand who we are. Did that make sense? So in other words, when we, when we meet Jesus, Jesus becomes the door to what? Well, obviously to eternity, but the door to understanding and knowing the Father. 
And when you begin to see that and you understand that, that's why Jesus talks so much about the Father. And uh, that, you know, when I would read my Bible, and particularly here in John, where we're at, when I'd read my Bible, I was actually eavesdropping. I was listening into a conversation in John 17 between Jesus and the Father. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I was still dealing with the fact that I had a heavenly Father. And, of course, most of us grew up with some kind of church background. And, and so I, out of this whole thing, I suddenly realized, you all know who Waldo is? Waldo? Looking for Waldo? You know that thing, media? Give me that. Waldo, that guy? Give me that next picture, please, media. Waldo's in there someplace. Remember that whole thing about Waldo? It's kind of a game. It's an opportunity to look for Waldo in the crowd. And you got to, you know, look at every person and every single individual before you finally spot Waldo. And I suddenly realized I'm not Waldo. God knows me personally, and not only am I not Waldo, God's not Waldo. That he's the Father is, is desirous for us to know him in a very personal way. And it quickly became uh, the most important venture in studying my Bible that I could that could possibly do. And so that's why we're in part two today. And I'll try not to belabor this, but and that's why the spirit of the world hates family values. To understand that fatherhood is at the core of family and family values expresses Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and us. That when we become believers, we become deeper members of the family of God, even though unbelievers and people who don't believe and believe in Jesus, they're still a part of God's family. And so all of a sudden, this became critical mass. This became the most explosive and powerful issue that any of us can begin to understand because Jesus came to reveal the Father. De Jesus didn't come just to buy a ticket for us to get to heaven with his life. Jesus gave his life so we could know the Father. Not just later, but now. It's strange to many Christians over the decades that I've been preaching the gospel, it's strange to find out that there are still so many believers that see eternity just about Jesus. And that makes eternity someplace they're going rather than what they're living in now. Does that make sense? In other words, now Jesus is more than a ticket to heaven. He's the door into a relationship with the Father. Does that make sense? And so when you begin to see that, you begin to realize that you're not Waldo. The Father knows exactly where you're at, knows exactly what you're going through, and knows exactly what we need. And the way we get to that is through Jesus. He opens up that opportunity. 
Jesus came at the Father's behest, at the Father's desire to open up life for you and I. So it, it, it was God the Father's idea to send us. It's not that it wasn't Jesus. But the fathers at some point had to say, son, would you go for Bob? Jesus, would you go for Bob? So Bob can find me, Jesus, and you. Man, that changes the gospel. Because now it's not just a ticket to heaven. You know, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. How many people believe that, but they never find who they really are in this life. They never find their true identity in the Father and His love for us. And, and so in the process, we begin to realize that this becomes very intensely personal, that it opens up God's value of you and who you are and, and his desire for you and desire for me and his, his willingness, his openness. Now, the problem being that if you grew up with a father that didn't treat you well or you grew up without a father, well, of course, that's going to affect your understanding of your heavenly father. Until you meet Jesus and he says, come, Bob, let's go to the Father. And all of a sudden now, you begin to read the scriptures and you realize that this is indeed your heavenly Father's word about you. And now this all becomes very personal, that it's not about where I'm going it's about who I am and who the Father is and that Jesus paid for that. Does that make sense? Man, that changes Christianity because now it's not a religion. It's a relationship. You got it. It's a relationship. So when you begin to understand that, that also opens up the understanding about one of the strangest issues in the Bible, and that is why failure is necessary. Did he say failure is necessary? Is that, is that really what he meant? Failure is necessary? That actually, it, when you begin to in, investigate who the Father is and how much he loves you, that you can take your failures to him and your shortcomings to him, and now it's not religious, it's relational. Does that make sense? And the only, the, the only common denominator between religion and relationship is the R. Because it's not religion, it's a relationship. And so, so many Christians, I've discovered over the 54 years I've been following Jesus, that so many Christians know a lot about Jesus, but they really never find the Father in terms of who the Father is. And, and so, why is failure necessary? Failure is a part of life. You can't get away from it. And so I started asking myself, why is it necessary 
Why doesn't God just eliminate failure? Why do I have to fail? Now, of course, I know you've never failed. No, I know that. These lion dogs. Okay, so why is failure necessary? Because failure reveals reality. Sometimes when we're doing something and we're, 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 we're pursuing the presence of God in our life and we fail at something, whether it's a spiritual failure or whether it's a financial failure or whether it's an issue of some kind of failure, that all of a sudden we begin to realize that failure brings us to reality. Excuse me, ma'am. Failure brings us to reality. It brings us back to where we should be so we can understand who we are when we fail. Death, taxes, and your next failure. Guarantees of life. You're going to jack something up. Nobody said amen, you know. So, to, so failure is necessary because it helps us understand the Father's grace and love and mercy, and we learn from failure. If everything goes perfect in life, why is that a problem? You know why it's a problem? Because we think we did it. Rather than giving the Father credit for what takes place in our life. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden now you're not afraid of failing because now you understand that failure can teach us. If a marriage fails, tragic, tragic, tragic issue. But when you understand when something in life fails and you have a relationship with your heavenly Father that's close and personal and relational and intimate, you have some place to take yourself to. You can go into your heavenly Father's office, library, whatever we can do to humanize God the Father, and you can go and sit down in his lap and say, Father, I jacked that situation up so bad. I blew it. I said something wrong. I did something wrong. I, 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 I hurt somebody's feelings. I, I violated somebody. And you can sit on the Father's lap and know that you're not going to be rejected. You're also not going to be patted on the back and told, oh, little Bobby, it's going to be okay. That you begin to know the Father and you begin to understand that He's going to discipline you. Not because He's mad at you, but because He's saying to Bob, Bob, listen, Bob, you can't do that. Because look what it's done to you and look what it's done to the people around you when you failed and you did something wrong and you violated something. Sit down, let's talk. And all of a sudden, in all the issues of life, when, when life comes charging at us and the world begins to fall apart like it does around us, you can take your fears to the Father. 
And he'd come sit down next to him and sit on his lap. And that's what Jesus did in John 17. He said, Bob, here's the Father. And here's how he feels about you. And failure is the way you learn. You don't intentionally fail, but you learn from the failure because you come to the Father And the Father gives you his word and shows you how much he loves you and shows you what you can do to recover from the situation. Man, do we need a relationship with a father in a world that's coming apart? Absolutely. And so if we understand this, that perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that what the Bible says? That when I fail, I don't have to be afraid of failing. That if I, and not if, but when. Death, taxes, and your next failure. Those are guarantees. But you begin to understand that it's a relationship with the Father. And you begin to understand that when you fail, you have a place to take that failure. And it's not just, I want to say something dangerous. It's not just to Jesus. That Jesus came so I could find forgiveness from my failures and faith to turn to the Father. That now Jesus is the way. Who said that? Jesus is the way to the And all of a sudden now, fatherhood becomes the issue. That's why the world hates family values. The world, the spirit of this world has to hate family values because the greatest threat to the spirit of this world and the craziness that's going on is people who know their Heavenly Father. And they find grace and mercy and help in the time of need. And so in the process, we understand that you start naming biblical heroes that failed. And you can find them all over the place. You find Adam got us into this mess. Didn't he? Okay. What about Noah? Drunk. Sets the whole thing, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You can't find one major individual in the Bible that didn't jack life up. You know why? Because they're human. You're human. I mean, when I married Susan, I met the only perfect person on the planet. What are we having for lunch, baby? The Bible is full of biblical heroes. Like I said, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, they all blew it. But what they didn't have that you and I have, they didn't understand the relationship with the Father that Jesus came to reveal. They overcame their problems and their their mess-ups and the issues in their life. And they got through it, but they don't have what you and I have. The knowledge that Jesus 
came to introduce us to the Father and the Father's grace and His mercy and His love. And so when you read the Gospel of John chapter 17 and you begin to read some of those verses, you begin to hear everything that the Bible has to say. Let me read a couple of things to you. Media, if you can stay with me, let's listen to what Jesus says in John 17, 1. Listen to what He says. And these words spoke Jesus. This is the night before He's crucified. In less than 12 hours, He'll be on the cross. He lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said in an open, out loud prayer with the disciples, listen, Father, the hours come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son might also glorify thee. What did Jesus mean when he said glorify thee? He said, Father, go, go ahead and do whatever, let, let whatever needs to happen to me, let it happen, because what's going to happen to me is going to take Bob to you, Father. And it's going to show him. Watch this, verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. Now listen to this. Here's eternal life. That they might know you, thee, Father. This is eternal life. This is Jesus who's paying for it. We, we somehow unconsciously relegate everything about our eternal life to Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing what Jesus did. I'm just trying to point to the fact that everything Jesus did was for you and I to get to the Father. Man, when that hits you, listen to what he says, Thou hast given me power over all flesh, that I should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given me. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. That's it. That's what this whole thing about Christianity is about. That Jesus came to take us to the Father and introduce us to the Father so that we would know the Father's love. And once you know the Father's love, you're not afraid to fail. Oops. I don't, it didn't, didn't mean you want to fail, but you're not afraid to fail. Because it's the fear of failure that keeps us from doing what we need to do. And the most important issues in life always cost us the fear of failure. And if we understand this, we begin to see that failure is actually necessary. It's necessary to fail. Not that you go out and set yourself out to fail, but necessary because it's, it's, it's overcoming the fear of failure. You know, when God comes to you and says, oh, by the way, Bob, here's a water pistol. What do you want me to do with that? Oh, I want you to charge hell. And you go, wait a minute, you're going to take me, you're, you want me to go after hell with a, with a garden hose or a water pistol? Yeah, because I want to teach you to trust the Father. I want, I want you to understand the Father has his eye on you. And he's going to watch out for you. And that's what I came into the world to do, to show you how I trusted my life to the Father. And that's why on the cross, what did he do? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that statement, you think, are you forsaken? 
because Jesus had to do what he did without the Father protecting him. Does that make sense? That Jesus had to put himself in the place of vulnerability that I have to live in when I don't know my Father. I remember times when I lived in Downey on Isetta growing up, the street called Isetta, and uh, uh, in Downey, and I remember there's this guy across the street that uh, it just is a mean man, a mean, mean, mean man. And I would go out in the street and I'd get my football and I'd throw it up in the air, you know, and spin it and throw it up in the air and play. And the, some of the other boys would come out and I'd throw the football. And one morning I went out and I just was spinning the football up and catching it like this in the middle of the street. And this guy, I don't even remember his name, he, he comes out and he starts yelling at me. And he stands on the curb. He's standing right on the curb. He's yelling at me. He's cussing me out. He says, Get out of the street, you little. And I'm just like, it's the street. You don't own the street, you know. And and I'm thinking, well, what, what am I going to do? You know, if he steps off the curb, I'm going to take off running. And and I'm standing there just kind of nervously, kind of spinning the ball just a little bit like this, thinking, I don't know what to do, you know. And the next thing I know, I'm, I see him in the corner of my eye. He's starting to back up from the curb towards his house. And I look at him, I said, what's What's he doing? And then I look over, and there's my dad standing on this curb. <laughs> and you know what? That's what fathers do. That's what fathers do. They watch out for their children. You're a child of God. Now, you're a child of God even if you don't believe it, even if you haven't accepted Jesus. You're still a child of God. And your heavenly Father loves you and he cares for you. And the most important thing I can say to you this morning is that you, you, you can't be afraid of failing. The only thing that's going to keep you and I from doing what we really could accomplish in life is fear of failure. How many Christians never do what they could do accomplish what they could accomplish, be what they could be, have what they could have, is because they're afraid of failing. And the fear of failure always comes from the lack of understanding fatherhood. And so when we begin to see this, we begin to see John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's what Jesus said. That perfect love, perfect love. Now, I'm going to say something for the sake of example. So theologically, you can take me to task later. Jesus, <laughs> this is going to be scary, wasn't perfect love in the sense that all of the love. Now, his love was perfect. But it wasn't all of the love of God. That perfect love that casts out fear is when we find Jesus and then we find the Father. And we find courage to deal with all the garbage that's going on around us as a nation. God help us for where this is going. And I believe he will. But help comes from the Father. 
through Jesus in a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit in life. And whatever it is you and I are faced with and what we're dealing with, failure is not a bad thing. Actually, you can learn from failure. And the Old Testament is full of people that failed. As a matter of fact, you can't find anybody in the Old Testament that did something successful that you can't find a major failure. Go through them. Think of all the major Bible examples. The only example in the Bible that never failed was Jesus. Everybody else had to deal with it. And so how do we learn to deal with the fear of failure? It's by knowing and understanding our Father's love. Then how many things do we not try to accomplish in life with our life because we're afraid of failing? Because to us, failure is a rejection of. Does that make sense? that we see failures as a rejection rather than failures are actually necessary in life because that's how we overcome the fear of failure and that's how we learn to get it right. You can't be afraid of making a mistake or failing. Let me give you some classic examples because in the Old Testament there are lots of uh, 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 examples. But people who accomplished a lot but they were exaggerated accomplishments. Babe Ruth. Most everybody knows who Babe Ruth is. He hit 488 home runs. 488 home runs. What's he known for? The home run king, right? Well, he hit 488 home runs out of 8,399 times at bat. Ah, what's the deal, okay? 488 home runs, and that, that's, but he's known for, but do you know how many times he struck out? 1,333. But what is he known for? Hitting that out of the park. That you're not, not he failed more than he succeeded. And it's a perfect example that in your life and in my life, focus on the successes, leave the failures behind, move forward. Your heavenly Father isn't looking at your failures. He's looking at your hunger, hunger to know Him and be in His presence. And that will change everything about your view of life. Does that make sense? Thomas Edison, for years, tried to do the light bulb. <laughs> I don't know how many years. Anybody know how many years? Years. But he succeeded because he continued. Because after every failure, he moved forward as an example. What about um, Einstein? One of the smartest, most intelligent people the world has ever known. Do you know that he flunked his college entrance exam? But what we do is we focus on the failures. And we add up all the failures and we forget that one success can negate all the failures. 
because we learn and we understand how we're accepted in the Father and we're accepted in His love. Everybody in the Old Testament jacked it up at some point. Moses did and Elijah did and, and, and you go through all the examples. Susan made a list for me yesterday, we were talking about this, that one of the greatest presidents, I said one of, not the, but one of the greatest presidents was uh, Abraham Lincoln. Listen to this, Abraham Lincoln. Thank God he went through this mess. 1831, he lost his job. 1832, defeated in his run for uh, Illinois State Legislature. 1833, failed in a business. 1834, elected uh, to Congress, so he had a success in the process. 1835, his sweetheart died. 36, he had a nervous breakdown. 38, he was defeated in his next run for the House. In 1843, he was defeated in his nomination for Congress. 1846, he was elected to Congress. 1848, he lost his renomination. 49, rejected as, a, as uh, an officer of the Land Commission. In 54, 1854, he was defeated in his run for U.S. Senate. 1856, he was defeated in his run for nomination for vice president. Again defeated in his run in 1858 for the U.S. Senate. And then finally in 1860, he won the presidency. Thank God he continued. Because he became the lightning rod to break the racial issue and the civil war. Thank God he stood his ground. How many times have you failed at something? How many times have I failed at something? And we, we, you know, we wander off because we don't understand that the Father's standing there. Go, Bob, I, I know you blew it. I, I know you, you know, you, you tried this and it didn't work. And, and, and I understand, but Bob, don't you understand? I love you. You're, you're my son. You're, you're born Kate's daughter. And, and I paid for you. I gave my son, my only begotten son, I gave him because I love you. And not just because I love you, but because I want to spend eternity with you. And I want you to know what it's like to come into my office and sit down on my lap and feel my breath and the warmth of my presence and feel the life that flows from me. That's my heavenly father. That's your heavenly father. It's, look, here's the thing. I, I'm not smart enough to get this completely right, so I'm going to do my best. He didn't save you so you could live forever. He saved you and I so we could live forever with him. That's all he's asking. And he's saying in this life, Bob, don't be afraid of failure. Look at Moses. Look at Elijah. Look at David. Look at all the biblical figures. And they overcame without knowing the Father. You and I have an opportunity. Some of you are going to be baptized in water today. Some of you are going to be baptized in water, and you did not come. You did not come prepared to get baptized in water. It was not on your mind, and you maybe didn't even know about it. But you're going to need to get baptized in water because 
you don't know where you're going and you don't have a peace and you don't have a relationship with Jesus like you know you could and you need to have that relationship. And part of that relationship is being totally and absolutely committed to Jesus. Total, absolute commitment to Jesus. Listen to what it provides. An open relationship with the Father. Because everything you and I hold back from Jesus will hold us back from the Father. And the Father doesn't hate us for it. He's not against us. He just says, Bob, you have no idea how much I love you. And you have no idea how much I care about what you're going through in life. And I want my fatherhood to come through to you. I want you to realize that when you're out in the street with your football, dad's standing on the curb in your finances, in your marriage, in your career, in your personal issues in life. Because you see, Bob, Jesus says, the Father sent me for you. And if you were the only one, the Father sent me for you. And he wants you to know. And the next time you open your Bible, all I would ask you to do is consider this. Read John 17 in light of what we've talked about, and you'll hear Jesus talking. I'm telling you, you'll hear it. I give you my word. You'll hear it. You'll hear Jesus talking about you. And he may not use your name, but he knows who you are. And so in the process, everything that we could do in terms of learning to face failures in life is to realize Failures are necessary because it's how we learn. It's how you learn to face the issues in life. It's how you learn to face whatever the world throws at you. And failures is ne failure is necessary. It's not fun. It can be embarrassing. But in every failure, we can find hope, we can find courage, and we can find faith. Some of you failed marriages. Some of you have failed careers. Failures all through life. But I'm telling you before God the Father, there is more grace and more mercy and love than there is possible failure in your life. God loves you with an everlasting love. And he sent Jesus into the world to suffer and die so that we can know the Father. And that's why Jesus said, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, Father, and me. You want the fullness of life? Take on the Father's love and take on his grace. Some of you, as I finish here this morning, we're almost out of time. You can see why the world hates family values. Because everything that hates, listen to what I'm going to say, I promise, I promise. I have three minutes and I'm going to use four. Every failure in life is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn about how much you're loved and how much you're cared for. And some of you really blown it in some ways. And, and all the Father wants you to do is forgive yourself. 
come on up and sit down in your lap. And feel the warmth of his presence. And feel the warmth of his love. And know that nothing in your life can separate you from the love of your father. Except your unwillingness to know him. That's it. This is not a major theological message. But it can change the rest of your life. It can change how you see the world through your father's eyes. And see that while you're out in the street, in and walk, and no matter what the world throws at you, finish with this. Greater is he that is in you, me. Listen to what it says. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Who is he that is in you? Listen to what I'm going to say. This is going to jack up your theology. Your father. Your father's taken residence in your life. Wait a minute, I thought God was sitting on a throne. He is. But when you invite Jesus into your life, he brings dad. Dad comes in. Hey, Bart, want to go out in the street and play football? Don't, don't let rejection keep you from who you, you really are in God. Would you bow your head? Heavenly Father, I, I did my best to try to explain something I'm still trying to figure out. But your love, your love for your people is the strongest, most powerful knowledge in life. And if you felt rejected because of failure, Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. Pray, saints, pray. If you felt rejected because you failed and you've done something stupid or you've just never really surrendered to Jesus so he can take you to the Father, you can't get to the Father except through Jesus. You can't do it with Buddha or Allah or Krishna. Yoga, you can't do it. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. And the way you know that you know the Father is you know where you're going when you die. And if you don't know where you're going when you die, you know about God. You may even know about the Father, but you've never met them. If that's you and you say, man, you know what? I want this. I need this in my life. Then the only way to the Father is through Jesus. And if you've never embraced Jesus and invited him into your life, now's your chance. Now's your opportunity. Pray, saints, pray. I'll finish with this. Eyes closed. If you want to give your life to Jesus and you want to say, Jesus, I want to know the Father, I'm going to come down your aisle. And if that's what you want, you want to give your life, all of it, 
to Jesus. I'm going to come down your aisle. You look up at me. I'm going to come over here. You look up at me. I'm going to squirm eye contact. And if I don't point it to you, it's because I didn't see your eyes. If that's you. Say, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to know. Pray, saints, pray. The Father's waiting for you. All the Father's looking for over here. If I don't see your eyes, you wave your hand at me. Is that what you want? God bless you. Is that what you want, ma'am? God bless you. Is that what you want, ma'am? God bless you. Ma'am, is that what you're looking at me for? No. 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 Is that what you're looking at me for? No. 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 Right here. Over there. Pray, saints. Pray. Don't stop praying. Sir, is that what you want? God bless you, sir. Proud of you. Over here. Over here. God bless you. Church, we're going we're gonna to pray with these folks, and then we're going to go from here today, and you're going to go with a, like, like I'm going to go, with a new understanding of who the Father is and who you are to Him, and His love and His grace and His mercy for you. And when the world comes after you, Realize you're standing in the street. This is a ball. And who's standing on the curb? Your Heavenly Father. If you looked up, you're going to pray this prayer with all of us. We'll pray it out loud. Okay? Pray this. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to know the Father. I want to know Jesus. And I want proof of eternal life. Bring the proof. Come into my life and fill me with your presence. And fill me with your love. And fill me with your forgiveness. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Now, we're going to have a group of people up here this morning. They're going to be on this side of the green line. I'm not going to point you out. If you looked up, you know who you are. You may be a backslider, that's somebody that's walked away from Jesus and is coming back, or you may be a first-timer. Here's the final issue. Before you leave the property, you've got to look somebody in the eye and tell them, I looked up and I made a commitment. You confess before someone. I don't care who it is. You just tell somebody, and these people up here are here to pray for you, we will help you in your walk with Jesus. Don't leave without coming forward and saying, that was me. Because if you're afraid to tell somebody that you looked up, that means you're ashamed. And shame won't get you to the presence of the Father. Okay? Church, would you stand? You guys are sober today. Jeez. I don't mean sober as not drunk. I mean sober. <laughs> okay, get a hold of somebody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Father, please teach us how to know you and walk with you and be close to you as Jesus gave his life for and all of God's people said. God bless you. We love you.